Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 3, entitled IFT. I'll let you draw your own conclusions on what that means. Yeah. Uh, a really good episode. Really solid episode for Breaking Bad. You know, every season, they have, like, you know, kind of a emotional build-up, set-piece moving, mm. clearing the board, setting up the board for the next round of crazy action. And I remember in watching it, sometimes we'd get antsy. Like, oh, sure. you know, it's like, I, I, I need I need another fix. and I, I need another shot of the pure stuff. But I really enjoyed this. This was an unusual poignant with Jesse coming in grips with the loss of his girlfriend and mm-hmm. Skylar and Walt's, du- you know, evolving duel over the soul of their family. Uh, yeah. Tensions building between the cartel and Gus and the cousins and Walt hanging in balance. And Skyler feeling kind of powerless and lashing out. And, and Hank uh, going through his continued, like, avoidance behavior uh-huh. on PTSD. I mean, I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about that. Just just a, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, uh, as, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, you know what? This, uh, I, this episode, in a really interesting way, articulates kind of everything that I like about Breaking Bad. Yes. You know, it it's not the flashiest. There are certainly flashier episodes of Breaking Bad, and that's part of what I love about it. You do but, get some insane action. You get the Hank fist fight, and then Tortuga uh-huh. getting uh, Tortuga. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh But but the thing that really makes Breaking Bad so good is I feel like I totally understand the motivations of every single character, and none of them are acting in ways that I can't see a normal person acting. Yes. None of them are acting like these fictionalized, made up characters. They're acting like real people. And normal people in extraordinary situations. Yeah. Yeah. And that. That is what really connects me to the show. It's, it's I think. believable and consistent too. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it doesn't like you know go back and forth. And it would be, I think, a lesser show would have Walt and Skyler be in a continual cycle of, you know, making up and breaking up and coming to heads and forgiving each yeah. other. And this kind of has one smooth bell curve of an arc. right? Yeah, like, it really does. And and on the rewatch, I'm really getting that. Yeah, yeah, and that's. That's really cool. I love this show for that. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to talk about before we get into the recap? Uh, I thought it was interesting. Two two tidbits I gleaned from the um, the uh, Insider podcast. Uh, number one, this was a Michelle McLaren episode. Okay, which, not her usual fare. Yeah, like I feel like, I, and maybe she wasn't the Michelle McLaren you know we know and love. Like she, her reputation uh-huh. for insane action may. I I don't know because I'm. I'm not going to pretend like I'm super up on every bit of the ins and outs of her career, but may, you know, it's, yeah. it's possible that she earned that reputation on the, on pr- on the back of Breaking Bad and, and, and Game of Thrones and all that stuff. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is uh, Sherry Rhodes, who is the casting director for Breaking Bad, and she's also, I guess, uh, um, according to Vince Gilligan, she was Steven Spielberg's primary casting uh, person he worked with and she's discovered hmm. stars such as reese witherspoon he listed a couple others she was the one that discovered uh, jesse's mom uh and she was in this episode as the rascal scooter lady all right yeah that the cousins jacked the van and in, Vin- in vince's eyes uh they-, they murdered her i thought that was kind of somewhat shocking that he just assumed <laughs> but I, th- I think it's debatable she- yeah because you've you've seen multiple encounters with the sure. cousins one in which they murdered everyone Yep. Another in which they Murdered left no their one. car. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, I, 
I mean, there's arguments pro and against. It's ultimately not that interesting. Sure. But she was this person, and I guess she died of cancer just after the episode finished shooting. Oh. So this mm-hmm. was actually dedicated at the end of the episode to Sherry Rhodes. If you're wondering who the hell that is, mm-hmm. now you know. She was actually star- – she starred in Breaking Bad and had a pretty interesting, amazing life uh, and, and did a lot of work on a lot of super popular stuff that you know and love. Cool. All right. Recap time? Yeah. We start off with Tortuga, the turtle, drinking in the bar when a man that he knows walks in. We don't quite know him yet, but we find out he's Juan Bolsa. Um, he has some drinks with him. He says, I've got a present for you. Takes him in the back room. There's a turtle there, which uh, he's, you know, he's surprised and happy about until he writes Ola DEA on it. And we know from previous season that that is bad news for poor Tortuga. Yep. When the cousins come in, they chop his head off and they eventually find his way to the turtle's back. What do you think the cousin's suit budget is? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or dry, the dry clean. Cl- uh-huh. I, mean, yeah. I mean, they did dispose. I've seen him dispose of at least one suit. There's just lots of spurting blood on this one. They, they mm-hmm. got on their knees and rolled around in dirt and mud in another. Like they just must yeah. go through these thousand dollar Italian suits like, like Agua. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I got to know, are you the type of man that drinks or the type of man that pours? Oh, I'm the drinker. For sure. <laughs> of late, uh, on the Lunch Gym and A-Rons, you've been the, you've been the mixer, and I've been the drinker. It's true, but I've also I'm been the drinking. one that drinks. I'm, I'm both men, I guess. You think this of me, Jim? I'm the one that drinks. <laughs> <laughs> All Is right. That, that's... Too early of a reference for people who were here at the first time. They wouldn't even have known it until you you let the cat out of the bag. God damn. God damn. Stay away from the season five posters, too, I think. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, really cool scene. And we'll show Mm -hmm. that these cousins have been kind of in the fabric of Breaking Bad without us even being aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool how they they show that flashback that we already know the outcome to. That's kind of cool. And getting Danny T back in the action. Yep. Smoking cigars and looking like a badass. Never bad thing. So next scene, Walt's removing the pizza from the roof that he threw up there on his house. And we see Mike sitting outside telling Gus, yeah, Walt's still alive. I guess I didn't kill him. Um, And then there's a big, long scene coming up that I kind of broke into two parts. Yeah, and I want to just... I I love Brian Cranston's. I don't know how much of this is in the script. Probably a lot of it because every time I've asked someone, like you know, how much of this your own thing did you put into it? It's like nah, everything kind of made it through the scripts. Um, but Walt's kind of at analness, his anality, if you will, in cleaning the roof, where he's like you know just flicking little pieces of dough. Like it's not enough mm-hmm. to get them. He's he's uh, he's using his his little rag to kind of like swish it away. It's just yeah. well, it's... so he it, the duality of his character. He's so mundane, hopelessly uncool, fifties era dad. He's meticulous. He's a chemist. He's got to be right. Yeah, he's like Mister Cleaver, but then he's also this this drug lord character. I yeah, I, I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> uh, so we go inside, or actually no, Skyler comes home. And she finds but, Walt there. Did you notice the song playing in her car? No. It was Old MacDonald, and it oh, was yeah. with the oink, oink here and an oink, oink there. Mm-hmm. Pig reference. Pretty heavy-handed foreshadowing sure. for the white family. You, you're you saying think? there was bacon on that pizza, right? There's totally bacon <laughs> on the pizza. There, there's, there's, there's pigs. Like this. Come on. Come on, Vince. Enough with the, the ham-fisted bacon gauntlet references. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely ham-fisted. Uh, Skyler comes home. She finds Walt 
there and she is pissed when he refused to leave. Uh, so she goes inside, you know, she, that that's kind of her first, um, I guess, surrender is going inside when she says, I'm not coming inside until you leave. Well, suit yourself. You can stay out in that hot car where she's obviously sweating up a storm. You can see it on her face. It's what, not cool out there. I, I bet that wood panel station wagons, the air conditioner broke like a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. And even if you're sitting idle. It's not oh yeah, it's 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 going to be bad news. I yeah. I love the conceit of how they frame this conversation where they're talking to each other from inside, yeah. over, but still in clear view of each other. What must that look like from an outsider's <laughs> perspective? Like, I know it looked like from my perspective, it. it was high comedy. It was, uh, and so she goes inside and threatens to call the police, but Walt still won't leave. So she does exactly that um, with Junior coming home just in time for the cops to show up. You called the cops on dead? You can feel this perfect storm just oh. building from I, the get-go. And Walt is just outplaying her because he's willing. I mean, this high. I mean, what do you call it when you take the low road by taking the high road? It's like the uh, high road super channel. Yeah. Like you, you bypass the high road, you know, take a less <laughs> direct. I, I don't know, but that's what he's doing. Yeah, because like you can hear him in the background now. now Junior, you can't blame your mother for this, and he's saying all <laughs> the right things, but uh, he is—it's this ruthless game, and he is destroying her. And he's you calling know, her bluff, and she's know, shaking mean, like a leaf. Like Anna yeah. Gunn's performance of Skylar here, just this is the what the fuck do you do? It is—it's incredible. Uh, she's fantastic in this scene, and and the next one where the cops actually show up. Um, I'm curious what what's going through Walt's head here a little bit. I, I feel like I get the the brunt of it, but there's a little bit in there that says like maybe he's ready for the truth to come out. I like he's not just totally calling her bluff. He's also prepared for if this goes sideways, I'll take my lumps. I think so. And I feel like that the bulk of the episode, even at the end where he's talking about, isn't honesty great? And he, of course, he's completely out of touch and out of step with how she's feeling. But yeah, I feel like after that conversation he had with Gus, that he's come to realization that his family, he's got nothing. Yeah. If this is a consequence, then, you know, he's not going to go quietly away. He, he did these things for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if Skyler freezes him out and doesn't accept it, then it's been for nothing. So I do think that Walt was prepared mm. to deal with the consequences because what does he at this point? What has he got to lose? He's out. I mean, the, the respect of his children, I guess. But he's going to have that if he's forced to abandon them. You know what well, I mean? not if he's carted off to prison for being a meth dealer. Well, I'm meth saying manufacturer. There's not a big. There's not. I mean, okay. So yeah, you're saying that that's more of a, a fundamentally selfish thing than if he just went away. Like if he pulls a. Well, I don't want to make a true detective reference, uh, but I don't know. I I feel like him. Yeah, him going away might have been more of a self sacrifice. Uh-huh. Uh, in that, yeah, he would kind of he would abandon his children. I don't know. It's he's in a tough spot too. Right? That's the thing. Like, is he going to abandon them, or is he going to be forced to out? Is he going to have himself outed? It's like, do you do you stay together in a terrible marriage where you're yelling and screaming at each other for the yeah. children, or do you split off and try to give them two really good homes? Uh-huh. That's a debate. It's it's there's no great answers. Um, but I think it's interesting that if you you know. Junior seeing his father hauled off to jail because he cooked meth. Although I don't know. I mean, maybe Junior would see, you know, he'd see it the way Walt said. Like, look, yeah. I 
I was in the situation. This was what was facing her family. I made this sacrifice. That would kind of almost be noble versus Mm -hmm. him just ghosting. Yeah. Like, what would that do to your teenage psyche? If your dad just, you know, you had this, okay, maybe there's some bullshit going on. And, you know, we didn't have a hot water heater and our bacon tastes like Band-Aids. But we were a happy family. And And then my dad just ghosts one. My mom starts acting like a bitch. He just ghosts. That's the thing. And you got to you got to think about the aftermath, too. Right. Like Walt's gone. Junior's already angry at his mother for kicking Walt out. Now, if he's completely gone and Skylar won't say a damn thing about it. Walt Jr. is just going to be a wreck, a right. miserable, emotional wreck for the rest of his life, probably. Right. But the stakes for Skyler, I mean, one argument you can make is, well, she didn't know that the cousins were in her house. Two trained, ruthless, emotionless, psychopathic mm-hmm. killers with axes were in her house last episode. That's fair. But it's a reasonable assumption that if your husband's cooking meth, he's attracting that kind of danger. Yeah. Yeah. If you're living in Albuquerque, like that yeah. is, you know, that we've all seen movies. We've seen Scarface. Uh-huh. Uh, we know what kind of shit goes down. I feel like you, there's a lot of people on the Internet when I was reading historical threads on this, trying to make the argument. It's like, well, you can't credit Skylar for knowledge she didn't have. But, you know, this is yeah, something I, a reasonable person would infer. If your husband's cooking meth, there could yeah, be blowback. Yeah, it's called deduction. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, the other thing that I really love about this scene is you can tell that Walt has considered all of the angles in this scene. And the way that he just drops this bomb on Skylar, she's in the exact opposite position, right? Like, yeah. she's been thrust into the situation. She has no idea what to do. Yeah. And Walt's thought about it all. Yeah. And he knows the possible outcomes. He knows what's more likely. He's done the math. Yeah. And I feel like that gives him such a serious upper hand here that it eventually turns out like it does. That's why it's always... It's always easier. It's like there's less aftermath than either break up or than the break up e. Yeah. Because if yeah, you yeah. break up or you've you've seen it happen, you've been able to make. You know, you're already halfway through the healing process by the time you drop the bomb, uh-huh. and the other person's kind of blindsided. And so, yeah. You know, being and and Skylar had the initiative when she filed. You know, after Walt had recovered from cancer and he's ready to stand on his own too, when she hit uh-huh. him with the divorce, now he has <laughs> regained the initiative. It's true. Yeah, by this high, this, this low high road strategy he's taken. Yep. So then we get the second half of this scene, which is the cops actually showing up, and Skyler's telling them that Walt's trespassing, and they ask her a bunch of questions about it, and they determine that there's really nothing they can do because no. she won't say that he hit her or he's physically violent. She won't tell them that he's a meth dealer. Like feels very realistic, and and also yeah. from you got to think what the cops are thinking because Walt Jr. is like, my dad's a great man. My mom's being unreasonable yeah. and, and Walt's just being like, Hey, you know, we're having some difficulties now, but he's <laughs> clearly, he knows exactly where the, the bottle is and the bot the be like, he's clearly not an absent father. He doesn't seem like he's a threat or a maniac. Like yeah. she just is, like I said, last episode, she's on a, an Island by herself. Yeah. It's, it's funny that, you know, Walt's dressed like old Walt here. Yeah. But I think the cop's perceptive. He's like, look, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Give me something. This guy, is he illegally handicapped parked? Is there anything that he's... Even if you just suspect it. Like, if you give me uh-huh. suspicion that this guy's dangerous. But I think that's... In a lot of the, the Skylar hate, and I'll throw myself in this category. My first through, run through up until we got into season four, maybe even, like, you know, certainly by season five, I was a Skylar hater. And... Yeah. 
the part of the calculation, the part of the stuff that's missing from my calculation was that she wasn't playing the nuclear option. Like Walt takes a nuclear option a lot. Yes. And yes, Skyler, does. she doesn't have, I mean, it's, she, she, she cares about her family to the extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to make this argument because on the other way, it's like, she's taking a big gamble and big risk. And I think, there's a lot of commonality between her and Walt. Hmm. Yeah. They're both playing, you know, she's taking this very risky stance by letting this happen because she sees the wisdom of having parents, you know, kids growing up with their parents that they love and respect. Mm-hmm. And she's unwilling to blow that up, especially if she can just play a waiting game or. Yeah, she has a really good point. There. You know, it's like one of those things where the reason people stay in shitty jobs, shitty marriages, shitty houses, everything is because the, until the pain of staying the same overcomes the pain of change. Mm-hmm. You, your kind of default option is to keep everything in stasis. Yeah. And I mean, they're both super stubborn too. You can see it here in the yes. scene. There's a moment where she turns around from the cop. She looks at Walt cradling Holly and acting like everything is perfect. And she just, she gets this look in her eye. That's like, all right, you know what? Fuck this guy. Yeah. Like not in the IFT way, but fuck this guy. I'm going to beat him on my own terms. And she oh, turns sure. around to the cop and she says, no, no, I'm fine right here. Yeah. And, and, when, and you can tell she's just on a mission now. And I don't know if you noticed this, but when she says, welcome home, the subtitle said, fuck you. So <laughs> uh-huh. that was a very, very loaded welcome home. Yeah. Thanks, Netflix, for that. <laughs> um, so Jesse's on the phone when Saul shows up at his door. And he wants Jesse to get Walt back into the game. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not. it's funny he's not taking Jesse seriously as a cook. I don't think really anybody does at this point um why would you we've never seen any evidence that he can cook really it's been an understudy he's been a shitty he's always been a shitty assistant cook even to the emilio crazy eight days like i thought it was very clear that he was the b-man on that team oh yeah he was the street level hustler he didn't really do much besides maybe probably throw chili pee in it and pissing emilio (laughs) off yeah so he he agrees to do that for him um just kind of in a super dismissive way like I want to get back to my uh, wallowing here. And then yep. he, he sits back down and makes another call, and we hear Jane's voice on the line. Yeah. Uh, which is a powerful motif running through this episode. That's like, that's yeah. that's kind of the thing keeping Jesse sane. And what is, you know, <laughs> every time he calls up, you're like, oh, you know, is the voice box going to be filled? What, what's going to happen? You kind of, I mean, you kind of know that yeah. something's going to happen here. And then what you don't know is what Jesse's going to do. And I thought that was. Uh, really interesting. Now, Saul says he's house poor, and we were trying to do the math on this. Yeah. We thought that both of them pocketed something like $750,000 last season. Had to, because Walt wasn't out of the game until he got that money. Yeah. Um, But I couldn't think... I couldn't remember whether they roughly split that money, which would make Jesse be house poor. He's got a house pretty much free and clear. Maybe he had some money from the other stuff still scraped up. But... You know, four hundred thousand dollars. What he paid for the house would wipe him out. If he's got four hundred thousand plus another three hundred, yeah, for a young man like Jesse, he could make that last anywhere from one to thirty years. You know, if you have no house payments, you just have to pay utilities and peanut butter and jelly money, and you know, I guess meth. I I, I don't know if he's going to go back to that or not, but yeah, I'm trying to do some quick math here. It feels like so we know that Walt got enough money to pay for his treatment but that was kind of 
And he had five hundred thousand left over because that's he said the last episode. Hank, I got it's a half a million dollars duffled mm-hmm. up here. Yeah, so so you know, pay two hundred and fifty thousand for your treatment. Have five hundred thousand left over. Where does that leave Jesse? Jesse has spent and or lost a good chunk of money, right? Mm-hmm. And then I want to say last season there was a bag of four hundred grand waiting for him, but I couldn't tell you why. Yeah. Yeah, plus his, his, he calculated he needed $737,000, but that wasn't post-cancer treatment, right? Like, didn't all the other money go... I mean, that, that seven hundred thirty thousand. Yeah, no, you're right. Was, was all to, like, he calculated uh, uh, Junior's uh, college education and Holly's and insurance and, yeah. like, uh, you know, income replacement and all that stuff, and that's the number he arrived at. So, I, I don't know. There, I... Not the first or last time where I don't know that all the numbers exactly add up, but also, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess I could have gone back and listened to our podcast last season, but fuck that. Sure. <laughs> well, clearly the show is telling us that he has no money. He is. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, it's interesting kind of tying this scene in with what we see from Mike um, and what we see last episode of Walt telling Gus that he's done. He's out. And then the stuff that Gus does with Juan Bolsa saying, I need Walt alive. I wonder if Saul is just here because, hey, I want my cut of this meth business, get back in. Or if he's there at the behest of Gus. Yeah, we... Trying to get Walt... all Playing all the angles to get Walt back into the game. And we know that Gus... Or we know that Saul doesn't have a warm and fuzzy relationship with Gus. Like, I don't even know that he knew who Gus was... Yeah, I and think he still might not know Mike. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, it was very a tenuous thing, or he's like a friend of a friend, and he's kind of a deal maker and all that stuff. But he didn't really know who he was. Yeah. Clearly, his connection was through Mike. I don't know that Gus would push that back through. I think Saul just wants the money. Sure, I totally. He's buy like, that. hey, you're in remission. We, I can make. We can. We can make. You know, I can make ten, fifteen percent. That might be a chunk of where the money went. Saul's fees for money uh-huh. laundering. Yeah, I, I mean, so I definitely think that's his primary motivation. Right. Saul wants the money. Um, Although right now his money laundering is essentially just Walt Jr.'s cancer webpage, yeah. which is, you know, we haven't gotten to hundred something thousand. Yeah, he hasn't really opened up the floodgates on the laundering operation yet. Yeah, it just seems like obviously Gus still has plans for Walt. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we debated last episode, you know, whether or not Walt was actually out last episode when he mm-hmm. said yeah i'm turning down this three million for three months yeah uh, obviously gus is not going to leave it at that he still needs him alive um anyway hank's waiting for gomi when he gets a call from his boss who says el paso wants him back uh after the tortuga incident he's headed back to el paso why it's clear in his eyes that he doesn't want to go back to el paso yeah do you think that he has been agitating to go back to El Paso? Or do you think that, like, you know, his boss, mm. Merker, has been like, you know, wasn't right when it went down there. We need to get you back to El Paso. And I'm going to get you. You're our star agent. I'm going to get you back. And he's <laughs> been, like, campaigning on his behalf. And w- That's be- a good question. Because of his standards of masculinity and because of the yeah. pressure that he may be getting from Marie. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like that's backed off a lot. Like, yeah, she... I mean, he knows that she wants a bigger house and a bigger salary and all those things. It's residual pressure at this point. Right. right? Like, but where she's like, hey, that shit's dangerous. I'd rather have you alive than not. Um, that, yeah, yeah, he still might feel pressure to to fulfill that part. But he clearly doesn't want to. 
Yeah, that's obvious. And do you think this this whole episode is about him sabotaging the effort? Hmm. Is he trying to sabotage that? I honestly felt like he didn't know how to deal with what he was feeling, and that's why he got in the fight. Not necessarily as a goal to say, oh, well, maybe this agent isn't cut out for this, but maybe? I kind of feel like I didn't think that until I'd watched this, you know, until I'd watched this and was thinking about it, but I wonder if there was a little bit of that motivation, like... Maybe if I fuck up just enough? Yeah, like, I've all these panic attacks I'm keeping inside, but if I act like I've got a, I'm a loose cannon or something, then that will sour them on the whole El Paso thing. Hmm. It's a fine yeah. line, because you can get, you know, you get thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You go one step too far. I mean, it's a good thing he leaves his gun in the car. Yeah, you know? uh, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it's that. It's kind later. of a joke how it, it's. I I I don't know what you need to do as a police officer to get just drummed out of the force. It seems like a pretty fucking high bar. You can kill people. In you can absolutely cold blood kill people as long as they did something somewhere, had enough prior, or looked like they were going to. Yeah, yeah. As long as you you can get you and your brothers to to cover for you, then then you know. And I get yeah. it, you know, one rotten apple, whole barrel, all that kind of stuff. But still, it just does seem <laughs> like it takes a lot to get <laughs> indicted even in Seems this country. Seems like it. Yeah. You're, so you're probably okay, Hank. You beat the shit out of two. Oh, he's still going to El Paso. No doubt. Like, that mm. doesn't get him off the hook. Come on. Mm. One bar fight? Nah. Mm. What will it be? What will it be then? What will what will what will he'll have to murder s- Gomi? <laughs> he'll have to do it, man. <laughs> one more crack. What, you give me one more lip about paying for for your turn to lunch, Gomi. He's gonna snap. Uh huh. You defend the culture of your people one more time. That's right. <laughs> we see a lowrider. That's I'm right. Be real angry. You give me any more shit about your your people not being a people in decline, and I'm, I'm it's it's done done. Uh, next scene, a woman is wheeling her chair, her wheelchair, into a van, her little rascal scooter, when uh, the cousins approach, and they steal her car. We've kind of had, you know, information on whether or not she died. Uh, they drive it to a chicken farm, where they unload Hector. I, I was wondering why they stole this van from this poor lady. I did, too, because I'm like, why? It's like, you go from Mercedes to minivan, yeah. to mommobile. But it all makes sense. It does. They needed they needed a transport vehicle for Hector. And Hector looks dapper as fuck. Like yeah, I, man, feel, his I feel like his shirt matches his socks. He's looking good. Uh, he's got the he's got the fedora. I felt like the, the the cousins took him clothes shopping first. They ran him through their yeah. their tailor they got on this sure. side of the border. You gotta project power, you know? Sure. You can't You're... go into this chicken shack no. with chicken shit. No, you gotta with, be with looking dribble jello down your shirt. Nah, no, 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 no. You need a haircut. You need a fresh shave. Yep. Uh, yep. You can keep your busted up old bell. Well, but, yeah. You know, or maybe they got him a brand new bell too, and he just on the way there is so worked up he he bent the plunger again. <laughs> yeah, every third week they have to it's, get him a new bell. Yeah, he goes through him like crazy. Uh, it's pretty obvious why he would once we get into this scene. Yeah. Uh, so they meet with Gus. They meet with Juan Bolsa, who. Uh, before, I'm not sure how much we know about the relationship between these right, people Right, right. And before so. we move on, one thing I was watching is like, why is Hector, why is T.O. Hector in this situation? Like, I get it that if you have this special relationship with Tuco and you viewed him as a son and you're living out in this Mexican desert shack with him, that that's like, I that understand. Like, he, he, he's going to accept the level of living to just be with his favorite person. But it clear that it's clear that the cartel gives him a lot of respect. 
like he's very respected figure even kind of in his retirement and his Mm -hmm. his his incapacity here why is he allowed to remain in the nursing home why isn't he living in a villa is he hiding out maybe north of the border in a nursing home i don't know man i don't know because did Tuco actually live with him? I got the impression that they drove a long ass way to get from Walt's house to wherever Tuco. Well, they're definitely in Mexico. And Hector was. Yeah, so they had to drive a long ass way from Albuquerque to Mexico. Mm. So he I, I get the impression that he was living out there by himself. Oh really? Or or maybe with some other caretaker until Tuco got there? Hey, I don't know. Me I Because th- Tuco lived in New Mexico, right? He was well, maybe a, maybe he stayed at a nursing home anyway, and like Tuco just picked him up and like, hey, uncle, we're 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 going south of the border, we're starting up a new operation. But he couldn't in that car. Hmm. Yeah. He had two other people in the trunk. Where's he gonna put the wheelchair? Yeah. I guess back seat, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We don't we don't see that part. Yeah, it doesn't make complete sense. And uh, why pick up your uncle after you kidnap two people? <laughs> In in their car, he, like, he loves his uncle. The feelings mutual. Yeah. Clearly, I don't know. Something's not lining up about like Tuco actually being his caretaker. Yeah, I, I just feel like that. That I, I feel it's it's hard for me to believe that someone that respected and that high up in the cartel infrastructure would be just treated yeah. like shit, essentially. And when, especially when it does seem like you know. The 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 who would you what'd you say his name is Juan uh Bolsa Bolsa yeah. or is it Don Bolsa Juan okay uh he's also a Don right it's, well they they talk about it on the Insider Cast they say that uh this was Juan Bolsa the name Juan Bolsa is a play on uh Johnny Sack from The Sopranos <laughs> like of course Juan, it literally Juan means is basically John and it, then uh, yeah, Bolsa yeah. means Sack it literally means John Sack okay yeah all right um okay but he's clearly deferential to this guy to to Juan no H- no Hector, Hector. like he goes up and he's oh, shaking yeah, Hector's yeah. hand and he's like you know giving him total respect yeah yeah uh so there's there's something I'm not quite getting there but it could be that just a Hector's like an independent guy he's like I don't want your fucking charity yeah. You know, I just want to live in a shithole shack and have uh, Tuco come out and cook me badass burritos once a week. <laughs> he makes me sure. he makes me 21 burritos. That puts he him puts in the 20 fridge. of them in the freezer. I can microwave. I can get around in micro stories and fuck you don't need anything else. Yeah. These burritos sustain me. That's essentially your lifestyle. Yes. The 21 yes. burrito diet. <laughs> uh, except I have a whole army of Chipotle employees. Exactly. Bent to your will. Me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so they go inside. They talk about Walt. Um, everyone wants to kill Walt as revenge for Tuco's death, except for Gus, who still needs him to cook. Says, I need him alive. And Gus is cool with him killing him. He just wants to extract the business, the business yeah. value. Mm-hmm. He wants that $3 million for three months. Yeah. What kind of contract work is Walt going to be doing? I don't know. I thought visually this scene was interesting. You've got four people on one side of the table, Gus on the other, yes. and you can feel kind of Gus as the only point of defense yeah. for Walt here. Yeah. And without Gus, Walt would be a dead man. But you kind of get to Gus is formidable, too, because he's yeah. backed these guys on his heels. Like, is this not my territory? Two known killers but you sitting also, across the table. Right. Him. And you also get that he's subserved. I mean, he had the clout to pull off their, their whole revenge mission in the first place. And then but but he also knows he's subservient to the cartel because he's like, you know, yeah. if you if you refuse these guys, ultimately, you'll lo- you'll be out of the good graces of the cartel. Yeah. 
which seems ominous. <laughs> but also, he's got the con- you know the ability to control this territory. So, and, and this sad vegetable tray right in the <sighs> middle of the table cracks me up every time I see it. Gus, <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Short notice, right? Like, there, there's not a nothing is taken. Like, no, no one is interested in eating these damn vegetables. <laughs> but Gus, a surprisingly bad host. Yeah, well, he had no notice. He's just he's called up out of the blue. He swings by Meyer. He picks up a veggie tray. Mm-hmm. He, I would like to know how up. they came up with that little detail. Like, uh, that's, I'm that's, sure that's right out of Vince Gilligan's warped, twisted yeah. sense of humor. Give, give him one of them shitty like yeah. Sam's Club's tray. Not even Sam's Club. Like what? A piggly wiggly tray. Yeah. Sam's Club's too high class. It's got to be covered in like Saran wrap. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had a little Polo Hermanos. One of his girls whip it up for him. Yeah, couldn't he have brought a bucket of bucket chicken? Bucket of chicken! It's Who perfect. says no to chicken? No one. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. What are you doing, Gus? I don't know. Anyway, Jesse calls Jane's voicemail again as he stares out a window, and day turns into night. Uh, he calls it a lot, apparently. Yeah, and I, I really love this scene. Just the look on Aaron Paul's face. He's He looks particularly melancholy and sad. And, oh, he's got it bad. Like, when yeah. you're, you're, you're to the point where you're calling... Uh, you know, X's voicemails and stuff just to hear to sound their voice or whatever. It's, yeah. it's, 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 this is, this is Hollywood for this person is in a bad way. He's sure. really torn up. And Aaron Paul really sells it. Yeah. I, I bought it. Uh, while is sleeping in the baby's room and Skylar is smoking at the window of her bedroom when Holly wakes up, Walt hears that and he takes the opportunity to go see if she needs help with the baby. Try and weasel mm-hmm. his way into the bedroom. He's used the bathroom. Yeah, he asks, can I use the bathroom? She says, no. She won't open the door. And so he goes into the kitchen to use the bathroom. Which, there's Don't another worry, bathroom in the, the house, in the right? Does, does Walt Jr. piss in their I, toilet? He must. I mean, if Walt doesn't have... Why would Walt piss in the sink if there was another bathroom? Because he's just being a dick. I mean, there's that's... <laughs> he's I pissing would... in his own sink, though. <sighs> that's true. But it's sterile. I mean, he's a chemist. He knows it's a sterile fluid. And it's right. not going to hurt anybody. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I'm going to make a note in the spoiler section because this actually has some some play for later on in the season. Oh, Jesus. Uh, okay. So, yeah, let's talk about that in the spoiler section. Did you know that Adam Carolla is a sink pisser? Ah, uh, No. I guess because uh, I've not quite I've not listened to enough of his shows to get his full defense of it. Apparently, it's it's a frequent topic. Okay, <laughs> but he I guess it's because he's tall and he doesn't. He's not obviously not going to sit down to use he's the bathroom. Tall? And he's tall, so it's like a lo- super long distance to the bowl, so he doesn't want to splash everywhere. <laughs> so it's like he just everyone's guest bathroom sink is his personal sit urinal. Sit down, man. What's his problem with sitting down? Apparently, he sink pissed in the White House. That was like <laughs> oh one of his crowning well, achievements. Okay, I, I'll give him that. That's fine. <laughs> Who? How many people can say they pissed in the White House? Thing? Exactly. There's no way I pass up that opportunity. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's not. <laughs> if you really think about it, it's like peeing in the shower. It's I, like, I know it's skeevy, but there's really probably nothing wrong with it. Sink pissing is worse than shower pissing, in my opinion. But why defend that? I can't. I know, it's, right? It's irrational, but... Unless you're leaving, like, fucking pubes in the bowl, or, like, there's, like, visible <laughs> urine splat, uh-huh. you're not, like, cleaning yourself up, then... Yeah. I'm not saying I'm converted to a sink pisser. I'm just I, saying that, like, just if you're looking at... If we're men of science, Jim. That can be dangerous with a high-pressure situation, right? Maybe he's got just a low-pressure valve. Mm, well, he is an older man. All right. 
both Walt and Ace, you know. Let's let's do some more speculating on <laughs> the the uh, health of his. Like Gomi said, they might need some Flomax, you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Skyler meets with her lawyer and tells her about the incident um, that just happened. She tells mm-hmm. her that her husband cooks meth. She reveals all in this scenario, and the lawyer says, "Hey, you need to get a divorce immediately, and we'll we'll see this through." This guy was like, nope, won't do it. Uh, doesn't want Walt Jr. to find out that his father is a criminal. And she makes it clear that she's waiting for Walt to die, which adds, you know, it, it's something that's always kind of been in the back of our minds, but it's like voicing it here mm-hmm. is it, kind of creepy. And, and you can tell she doesn't feel right necessarily about voicing that idea. Right. She feels a little bit guilty about. I'm just going to wait this guy out and he's going to die. <laughs> but, but I thought this is a very well articulated re- totally. system of reasoning. Yep. Like, yeah, with these facts, with this crazy situation, like that's the other cool thing about Breaking Bad is it's so airtight. Yeah. Like this, the, the whole cancer, the school teacher gets cancer is such a genius concept because it lets you do all these really interesting morality plays where you know the answer would just be obvious with a different set of starting circumstances like you know of course you're going to go to the cops of course but yeah. you know it's like there's just enough wrinkle there to introduce doubt uh, and still feel realistic and yeah, it's it's great indeed uh hank and gomi are at some shitty dive bar and hank is watching people deal some drugs here exchange some some money and drugs and he wants to bust him, but instead he decides, I'm going to go out to my car, where he reconsiders. He leaves his gun in the car, goes back inside, and beats their asses. Hardcore. Yeah. He takes one punch, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't even phase him. <laughs> no. Ricochets right off his dome head. It, which makes sense. I mean, we talked about, you know, while we were watching this, we talked about his meaty, hairy sausage hands. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a thick... Well built dude, right? Like, yeah, he's fat, but you he's, can tell there's musculature under there. He's got the skull morphology of a Homer Simpson, and one thing we know about Homer is he can take a punch. That's true. He's he he's in the fact the his, his skull is just uh, you know it's insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Skull fort. Yeah, and so <laughs> so he does. Uh, one of these guys is actually an MMA fighter named Keith Jardine. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I saw his, his I, cauliflower I know ear, I, and I was recognize like, one. I'm like, he's either one of those famous, like, quietly famous stuntmen in Hollywood. Ah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I've 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 started seeing that huge guy from the end of uh, the Protector. Okay, yeah, yeah. The the wrestler. Yeah, the guy the, the in the big epic elephant throne room scene. Yeah, like I've been seeing him everywhere. He was like in one of the like you know beat tier bad guys and and Mad Max and he was a he's just been in a bunch of stuff and I I thought maybe I just recognize him from that I see yeah. also the guy from Spartac uh, not Spartacus Gladiator you know Russell Crowe no 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 not him but you know the guy that wears <laughs> like the, the full Crowe mask he's like the like one on one kind of memorable fight yes, that he has but I can't remember his face he is in fucking everything once you start mm-hmm. seeing his seeing his face yeah. So what you do, you find, you know, there there aren't that many superhuman species on the planet. Sure. There are examples of that. But that, I thought it was pretty clear because there was a big Reddit debate about, like, people confused about why Hank left his gun in a car. I, and I thought it was There pretty, is? I thought it was very clear that he did this just so he doesn't go total stupid. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do something stupid, but I don't want to go to federal jail for it. Sure. 
you know, which, you know, which is why we're having the debate on whether or not Hank actually wants to get out of this El Paso thing by being a loose cannon. Right. Killing someone is very different. Right. Beating the piss out of someone, you know, you can have your... When they're doing drug deals, it's like... Yeah. You know, that could conceivably be passed off as your job. Shooting someone over less... Over a teenth. You know, it'd be funny, though, if they were actually just really extremely paranoid numerologists. Like, you know, he was trading... (laughs) A Sue, a Susan B. Anthony uh-huh. half dollar from nineteen uh, seventeen from the Philadelphia Mint that was yep. you know had two heads and that that was the the deal going down and they just you know super paranoid. I I, I think they would have shown that if that was the case. <laughs> uh, I do think that it's funny. I, that... I consider it a cliffhanger, honestly, for the <laughs> okay. episode. Uh, it's funny that the song playing when he goes back in is looking for some tush. Uh, since you know this is IFT, mm. I thought that was a nice. I thought it was kind of like a, a nod to him uh, whipping ass. Uh, maybe, maybe so. It's a good day to kick someone's ass, and he's looking for some ass to kick. Yep. Uh, Jesse's trying to sleep on the floor of his new house, but he can't. Jesus Christ! <laughs> a sleeping bag on a bare wood floor. Yeah, it's no way to live. There uh, was a time when 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 our, our Tuesday night podcast, I was uh, doing them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was sleeping on your fucking concrete floor, but I had a camping mattress. You're insane. That was terrible. I I was always I always asked you, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Why are you sleeping on this floor? What am I supposed to do? You didn't have a second bed. You didn't invite me into yours. You you I had a couch. I know it's not like it's a recliner couch. You had that recliner couch and I I cannot sleep on my back. Oh, and I actually tried to okay. sleep on my stomach, but I felt like I was having intimate relations with the damn thing. Like oh, yeah, my crotch in the crease just yeah. That's like, you have to be an alien from signs for that to work, man. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. I, it's like you can almost get it flat, Oof, but still, no, no. yeah. I was I was bowing the wrong way with my bits lined up in unfortunate ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's bad. For 30-something dudes, stay off of the, the bare wood floors and the sleeping bags. I'm with you. Let the young punks do that shit. Uh, so he calls up Jane's voicemail a few more times, and on the last dial, it's always the last dial. He's not going to call it back. Uh, the number's been disconnected. Yeah, brutal. He looks pretty sad about that. Brutal. And then he decides, you know what? I'm going to take the RV into the desert, and I'm going to cook myself. At least I think that's what is going through his head. I hope he sanitized the equipment, because that shit looks like they just put it away wet. Yeah. It's all crusty and gross, and you know Walt would be having a fit. Yeah, and the other thing I noticed after being in one of these RVs um, that's basically the exact same it is the exact same same model year and everything this looks huge this looks enormous inside and i don't know if it's the lens or those cabinets are out of the the other side i think that's what it is they the the cabinets being gone or the cabinets still being in the 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 the, if you take the the breaking bad rv tour yeah the bad tour or whatever they call it to, to keep uh sony and amc from suing them if you take the bad tour it's it's a it's a screen accurate on the outside and on the inside it's pretty screen accurate but they have like you know those those cabinets are still in place so it seems a little yeah. more cramped, surprisingly cramped yeah it looks huge in this scene though yeah um skylar is waiting for walt to go to work so she can do the same and she thinks she hears him leave so she comes out of the bedroom but when she does she sees a big bag of money and Walt standing there ready to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. This is, a, this is a pretty good setup, and I like that they cut away here and let you go, ooh. Yeah, the big bag <laughs> of cash. This is it. Yep, the dance continues. Yep. 
Uh, Gomi confronts Hank about the fight in the bathroom at, at their office and uh, about leaving his gun in the car. And Hank has nothing to say about it. Mm. Just walks out. So Hank, you know, Hank is not one to really talk about his problems. That's accurate. He seems the strong, silent type. Yep. Uh, then we go back to Walt and Skyler, and they're they're having a conversation uh, where Walt is telling her why he was cooking meth, what the money is for, and essentially begs her to take this money. Like, I've done all of this. Don't make it for nothing. Here it is. I've earned it. Uh, yeah, I had to do some horrible things for it, but it's it's here now, and it's no one else's. So. Yeah. Uh, this is a super compelling argument. Honestly, it, it, I felt like all of our leads did a really good job of articulating, you know, exactly what's going on here. And Mm he, I mean, you know, this is tuition money for our kids. This is health insurance money. This is money for you to, so you don't have to work so hard and I'm going to be gone anyway. And I would never have done this. And you know, I never would have done this had it not been this situation. He doesn't, I mean, if he had done a better job of communicating the fact that he's out and he's yes. also feels like he, he, I don't know, like said that he was sorry for it or something. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there would have been a different reaction. I don't know. I feel like Skylar is pretty well entrenched in the idea that sure. She's that he's a bad man. There's a lot of water under this bridge. Yeah. Uh, it's more of a dam than a bridge. It hasn't flown under. It's been building up. Yeah. A lot of damage, a lot of loss of trust. Yeah. It, it, it works extra well because we as an audience know that he just turned down $3 million. Yeah. He she doesn't want to continue mm-hmm. doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She doesn't know that. And I think that's why what you said about, he should have done a better job arguing uh, that he's out. But he did. It's like, I did terrible things that. for good reason. Um, I, you know, not, articulating all those things like you know leaving it up to her imagination i think might have been a mistake if you're going to go honest you got to go super honest i killed a man do you you come out with i I killed multiple people i don't know like if you just sat down and just just said like look give me two hours and i'll give you chronological fully (laughs) accurate accounting of everything i've done since i started acting weird is he hedging his bets if this doesn't work and he gives her a full confession and she knows all the details it's not recorded like it's hearsay Sure. I think. Actually, I'm not a lawyer. Doug L's probably going to come in and be like, Yeah, yeah. Nah, nah, you're full of shit. But uh, I feel like whatever the legal standard mm. is, the wife that's pursuing the divorce saying, My husband's a crazy drug dealer and he's killed all these people and all that's like, Okay, <laughs> prove it. <laughs> sure, you do have to prove it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Even the big bag of money doesn't necessarily prove it. That proves no. that he has a big bag of money. Right. How that's circumstantial at best. Right. I mean, he's uh assuming that a tax year is elapsed, he might be on the on the hook for not declaring taxes. Yes. But... They're gonna capone him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh but no, I I don't know. I um you're right. And then the other thing is like he could just make off with the money and bury it in a desert or something or something crazy like that and she, yeah. how would she ever prove that he ever had it like i it felt like it's true I, f- I felt like total honesty has a lot of upside and very little downside that he hasn't already exposed himself by saying i've cooked meth yeah so probably right and the other thing is you know you're if you're in true desperation mode you kind of got to go with that because i still think she realizes she's getting a very sanitized version of the truth 
And yeah. also for him to kind of like make this a be kind of like an all or nothing. Like I just I need your answer, you know? Um, <laughs> how, am I how in or am I out? So let's assume this two hour conversation happens, right? He sits down, he says, Well, I cut his crusts off, I choked him out with a bicycle lock. Uh after he tried to kill me, and he st- here's a scar from where he stabbed me. After he tried this- to kill me, we melted another man with acid. Uh, <laughs> that sort of deal. Then what does the I fuck Ted moment look like from her? Uh, we did 69. Uh, we <laughs> Then he penetrated me from behind. Like, what is that? How does that equivocate there? Or how, uh, how does that that work? Turns out Ted likes to get weird with his industrial equipment, and I <laughs> penetrated him in strange ways. And- <laughs> You know, the, yeah, I, I guess that's that's true. Like, yeah, she has her what, own what two things hour... happened, and what actually happened. The gulf is just massive. Oh yeah, massive. Some really nasty things happening with Ted. <laughs> uh, anyway, Skyler's making some copies when Ted comes into two, into the copy slash break room. It's a mm-hmm. dual purpose room, and uh, she goes up to him, kisses him, then asks if the kids are home. And I think the implication there is pretty clear. It's the uh, it's the old folks' way of asking, "Are your parents around?" Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. There is kind of a mirror there, isn't it? <laughs> I've I've lived it. I've, All right. <laughs> I have lived it. Nice. Your kids? Are your kids with you this weekend? All right. <laughs> the look on Ted's face, man. I love uh, it. He's like, "What is? What happened?" Uh, no, my kids aren't home. What? What's yeah. happening here? Uh, the Ted knows what's that. Do you, do you hold? Oh, he knows what's happening, but okay. the shock of why is this happening? What's going on here? I don't know. Like, you the kind of guy who thinks that Ted owes it to Walt to ask questions and maybe turn Skylar down? Um, I mean, I, I I'll say that like I don't subscribe hmm. to the whole home wrecker theory. Like you fucking home wreck? No, no, no. Especially with Skylar coming on to him. Sure, that's. But, Clear. like, what I would personally do, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to judge anyone. I'm not going to judge Ted uh, with, with you know, a hot mama like Skylar coming on to you. He got ambushed by it, too. It's not yeah, like he, he had can. a moment to think. Like, you know, like Chris Rock says, you can you can not chase it, but you don't, there's no one, there's not a man alive that can outrun it. So yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of that in the equation. But, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't fault Ted for taking advantage of the situation. Sure. Okay. Um, Skylar gets home. And Walt is uh, going to work on her once again with this fucking salad and the roast. I mean, he's got an elaborate dinner planned out here. Oh, yeah. And hey. she's just staring at him. And yeah, no, I think uh, Jonathan Banks had given her some uh, old school mackerel eye lessons. <laughs> uh, here's how you uh, give it a real dead, dead eye. Yeah, pick your moment. This is your man trout. You fix him with the man. You give him your, your, give, give him your best man trout, Anna. Yep. And at some no, point, no recovering from it. Walt just says the wrong thing about honesty, uh-huh. and she takes that. She seizes the opportunity. The way says, she leans into I've his personal Ted. space, yeah. And he okay, so picks up the salad first, which I love, and then she walks away as Walt is just like, <laughs> you know, like re- uh-huh. like bomb gone off. He's just reeling, and you can hear him. She's like, "Okay, boys, let's have dinner," yep. which I think is a brilliant part, and I. I, I I got a lot to say about this, but we actually have dueling listener opinions on this the scene in this episode. Oh boy! You want to get straight to feedback, and then we'll talk about it after these listeners have to say. Yeah, let's do it. Andrew from New York uh, on Team Skyler's bitch says, "I remember catching this episode again on one of those Arbor Day marathons that AMC holds. When I saw it, I remember thinking this is the episode where I really began to dislike Skyler." 
And not because old mom Jean slept with Ted, but because this is the episode where I saw her as fundamentally selfish. The universe was shouting at Skylar to come clean and turn Walter in. The cop was begging her to tell. Walt Jr. was looking for some kind of a justification for his mom's actions other than women be crazy, yo. Her lawyer told her exactly what she should do and why and what the outcome would be. And in every opportunity, she balked like a chicken out of slaughter. Uh, sure, she used a reasoning that she couldn't let her son know her father was a bad guy or that it would hurt Hank's career, but really those were just shallow surface reasons to not come clean. She was grasping at anything she could to not turn Walter in. And ironically, it would have been better for Frank, or Hank, rather, who was suffering from a PTSD death witch had he been forced into a desk or into retirement. Her real reasons for not turning in Walter were projections of her own pathos. First, she didn't want to look foolish or be talked about as a town villain who let her husband deal drugs behind her back. Realistically speaking, however, if she were the one to turn Walt in, nobody would think that she was obvious or foolish or oblivious or foolish. Rather, she would be super deluxe sympathetic. B, she wanted the easy way out. She waited, wanted to wait for Walt to die and then have the money and be free of him. And because she couldn't exact immediate revenge on Walt without hurting herself, she slid her mom's jeans off and went for Ted. On the other hand, I think Walt did a good job explaining why he didn't take Elliot and Gretchen's money. Sure, it's because of pride, but it's also because he knew that it was a temporary solution to a permanent problem. He'll have money for retreatment, but his family will still be screwed when he ultimately meets those mom jeans in the Skylar. Sure, I so, agree with the last half of that. I my I guess my problem is he is speculating a lot on motives that I don't know are in evidence. Yeah. And directly are contradicted by what Skylar is actually saying. For example, yeah. I don't think Skylar knew until this episode there's a half million dollars in cash that she was just waiting to collect. I don't think that was in no. her calculus at she all. She had no idea. Uh, second, uh, I don't think she was worried about looking foolish to talk about the town villain. I think it was solely what are my kids going to think? Like if yeah. I can wait six months or 18 months and they he, their father dies a hero. Mm-hmm. Isn't that better than having him spend those last few months in jail? Like, you know, we've debated this just now, but I feel like that's a a much harder. I I feel like there's an argument to be made that maybe like that the chance you're taking of this being found out the hard way is going to do more harm to your kids than if you thought about it, sat down and told them and figured it figured out a way for them to deal with it. Yeah. But that's only a chance. The man is dying very quickly of cancer, as far as she knows. And I, I feel like her motivations were not selfish at all. They were all for her kids. Well, the other thing is some stuff like, okay, well, maybe she doesn't want to be the town villain or she doesn't want to have Hank's career be ruined. About a year ago, I was listening. Is it Radio Lab? Is that the show on NPR that I fucking can't stand? But I listen to anyway because every once in a while Probably, I have a really good yeah. story. Um, They're talking about how there's a lot of compelling research that says when we make a choice that it's kind of like this choice comes out of this brain soup, this random chemical reactions in our head, and our brain makes the decisions based on genetic predispositions, the emotional state we're in, and the facts that we have, and it spits out, "Eh, here's your answer, and then your brain justifies it. Okay. To me, Skylar made the decision, I cannot do this to my children. And then her brain came up with the justifications. And some of the justifications don't hold up. Like, you know, Hank's career, is that really the consideration? Like, 
you know, but I think when you're what's what's the the terrible thing about that is when you're outside a person's brain, you can pick apart those justifications, even though that's something we all do, whether we're just, you know, deciding whether we want roast beef or chicken or mm-hmm. cheating on our spouse or not. You know, it's yeah. it's all that kind of things that you make in a snap emotional decision. So I feel like and this is, you know, I don't have I'm, I obviously don't have a brain scan I'm looking at. But I feel like with Skylar, it was I can't do this to my family. You know, which makes I, her a I, I not a dark mirror, a light mirror of Walt. Like sure, they are yeah. both. There is their kind of pride and stubbornness mixed up in there, too. But the core of the germ of the idea, the the thing that started them on this path and keeps them on this path is I'm doing this for my family. Absolutely. Um, the, if, if I were to ascribe one selfish motivation to Skylar at this point, I would say it's to beat Walt which is the whole incentive for her to go fuck Ted in the first place. But she's wanting to beat Walt for justifiable reasons. Yeah, absolutely. It's not but just... that is a selfish motivation, right? That has nothing to do with her kids. She doesn't need to beat Walt for her kids' sake. Huh. She just wants to beat Walt. So th- there is a slight bit of selfishness, I guess, in some of her motivations, but ultimately I feel like the overriding thing is her family. All right. Uh, here is the Skylar is a sympathetic saint like character point okay. of view. and then i want to talk about some other things that neither one of them are talking about andrew p says this is the one of the episodes that gets a lot of breaking bad fans to react with skylar's a bitch to which i want to say fucking hell no this is the episode where skylar made a domestic abuse call to the police and it was not a bluff she actually was a woman in fear for her safety of her children and her children uh safety for herself and her children because of the dangerous man in her life and she refused to do the smart thing and get him arrested because she was in a messed up place where she didn't see that was the best way to protect her family. Given that and the fact that she already ended her relationship with Walt when she gave him divorce papers, I don't have any problem with her starting a new relationship with Ted or her throwing that in Walt's face to drive to try to drive him away. Which that's the key thing that I think is the whole crux of IFT. What's that? Walter is on the high road. She's got the low road to work with. Uh, so this is kind of like, you've got these deep, dark secrets that I'm supposed to just roll with, and I'm supposed to act like nothing's wrong, mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to just shrug off all these things that Junior's saying about me being a bitch and me being a terrible mother, and you know, all the while I know you're a drug dealer and you're endangering our family. So I'm going to give you a secret. I'm going to give you a fugue state. I'm going to give you a I went and cooked meth when I was with my mother for four days. And I'm I'm going to give you some bombshell. And then we're going to sit down for a nice family dinner. And you wear the mask. Yep. Like payback's a bitch. Yeah. Skyler's not a bitch. Payback is. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, I feel like that's an interesting. So and maybe like if Walt could play it cool. Maybe they would come to some bizarre, you know, different type of relationship Mm. i don't know but she's basically putting like i'm going to give you pay you back in your own coin because what you might not agree with it but what i'm trying to do is just as much about our goddamn family as what you're trying to do sure so now here's my little secret and you don't also there's a little bit of you don't control me yeah like fine you Uh want to you want to bully me and break into the house and call my bluff on the cops because i can't take our family through the mud then you still can't control me and what I do, and I'm my own my own person. There's a lot of this, mm-hmm. you know. It's yeah, weird I, because seeing this after that Holy Smoke movie, like <laughs> I kept on seeing similarities in the struggle for power in a relationship. Sure, 
Sure, it's there. And that's just a pure that was almost like a pure sport compared to this. This is this is this is to the blood. This is to the death. But uh I, I, I saw a lot of that same kind of interpersonal power and trying to maintain it in 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 this, you know, just seeing it three days after we watched the movie. Yeah, and that's you know, that's been a theme of Breaking Bad since the very beginning, since the first episode, in fact, where Walt's like, you know, Skyler's yelling at him for putting stuff on a credit card and like you can see where the power in this relationship is and Walt, you know, finds oh, I mean, cancer I guess... and then he wants to take some of that back and sure. have have some sort of say in his life. And, you know, it's caused a lot of problems. And Skylar's also kind of feeling the same way now. She's completely yeah. powerless. She wants yeah. to do something about it. I'm trying not to go back to those arguments because I feel like I need to qualify everybody in saying I used to hate Skylar. Uh, and watching season one yeah. and two, I felt totally justified. I felt like she was written to be a foil and a, and a yes. hateable character. And you have to bring in the knowledge of everything that happens in the totality of Breaking Bad to see her in a sympathetic light. Well, you got to think about like that, that's not true because there's there's actually a, a a minority of fans that have always seen her that way. Sure. Sure. I, I can kind of understand that. Sure. But the show was clearly telling us. Yes. She's you know, running Walt's life and he doesn't appreciate it. Right. Um, there's a lot. Th- the other thing is when you, when you say there's clearly a right decision for Skylar, which is to turn Walt in, have that whole thing blow up if it needs to, but get this dangerous man out of her life. She doesn't know what kind of danger she's in. All she's seen of Walt is that he, she has, he has a second cell phone. Yeah. She knows that he's cooking meth. She doesn't know that there's people in her house waiting to kill him. She doesn't know that he's killed people. Uh, I, I feel like she doesn't have enough information to realize what kind of danger she's actually in, and therefore that decision seems a, a bit more rash, right? Hmm. But I, like I said in the beginning of the episode, I think that a reasonable person, now she knows that he's actually not just marijuana, but meth. Uh-huh. That's a bad, big, serious drug, especially on the border. You know, when you're getting closer to Mexico and the cartel's influence, like, it's reasonable to assume that there's going to be some wire-esque shenanigans going on in your home. So Maybe, if anything, yeah. she is under, that's the thing. Like, but she's so never that's seen an argument for saying that she's underestimating the danger. She's actually in more critical danger than she realizes. Oh, no, absolutely she yeah, is. Yeah. But her not realizing it means she can make a decision oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that maybe more favors not turning Walt in. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I just go back to like, what has she seen? She's been so far... Walt has made $500,000 in cash sitting right in front of her, and she hasn't seen a damn bit of danger. If he says he's out now, and that this isn't going to come back on them, and he's got the cash, and he's ready to go, like, I, that seems like a harder decision to make if you haven't seen any repercussions from that yet. Well, but again, also, that's not exactly the argument that Walt's making here either. What do you mean? I'm out. I'm done. I'm never going back. I'm, you know... You're right. He doesn't quite lay that out. He should have. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's so, that's my audience perspective, you know. Yeah, and again, like I, all right, let's get to this next question because I think this might crystallize it. Barry C asks, "Hey guys, the big question for this episode: Would you be more upset if you discovered your significant other cooked meth to support you and your family, or if you found that they fucked Ted?" <laughs> uh, so that's weird because like both of those are deal breakers to me. If I found that my yeah, significant other yeah. was was involved in a heavily illegal activity and I had no knowledge of it and they were doing it in my in, in our house mm-hmm. around our children 
that is an absolute red flag. You don't talk your way out of it. End of relationship. I'll never trust you again. Yeah, that uh, seems rational. If I found out, like, I'm not one of those, uh, way we've got three kids and a house and a family and you fucked up one. You cheat on me. That's another one. It's related. I'm, I'm not saying that's the right decision. Okay. And people that, that don't make that call, I'm just saying for me, historically, I find out I've been cheated on. That's the eject button. Yeah. Done. I can understand that. Too. Uh, <laughs> now there's sequences involved here, right? Like, uh, if I was the one cooking meth, Underneath my significant other's nose in our house with our children. Yeah. And then I they found out about and they caught me in the lie. And then a week later, they're like, I fucked this dude yep. that you've always kind of been jealous of. In the context that I was asking them to forgive and overlook all my sins. Uh-huh. That's a whole different argument. Completely. Than, than just like, hey, I decided to fuck Ted because <laughs> yeah. he's kind of cute. And there's the whole Mr. President thing going on. Mm-hmm. And... I knew he was into me since way back when, you know. Yeah, you got to consider the context. Also, if if I cheated on them and they responded to that by starting an underground drug empire, that would also be kind of a what the fuck. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my thoughts, hmm. yours, Jim. It's more calculated, right? Like, that's the thing. I feel like if you reverse these positions, it doesn't quite work the same because the underground meth operation takes a while to build. Oh, it's a long, it's the, <laughs> it's the slow burn. It's the revenge totally. is a dish best served cold. Absolutely. Like eventually you're going to find that like you go to dinner and it's your leg being served up or something. And it's like, how did this happen? Where did we get yeah, like two and a half from? years later to DA at three in the morning, kick down the door. And as you're being cuffed, you just look him right in the eyes. Like you fucked Ted, huh? <laughs> huh? Huh? This is what you get. <laughs> That's fucked up. It's pretty fucked. Yeah. Uh, That's an IFU. I'm fucked up moment. This was premeditated, but it was uh, a quick thing, you mm. know? No, yeah, it's literally it I it's the first gone. thing she thought of. Not yeah. even the first thing. It's like it was a spur of the moment. I'm thinking about how to deal with the situation. Oh, Ted's here. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get it. It's it's Barry, it's hard to judge these in a vacuum because they didn't happen in one. Sure. So that's I hope you feel found our answers illuminating, interesting, uh-huh. funny. At the least. One of those three. Uh, that's all the feedback we got. We got a little bit, little bit of spoilers, like the barest, tiniest baby spoilers to talk about. All right, cool. Because um, this is a support, you know, setup episode. It, it's not like super far reaching in scope. But uh, if you'd like to give us more feedback, there's two primary vectors in which you can route that information. One is on uh, email at breakinggood at baldmove.com. Secondly, go into forums.baldmove.com. If you get a little ahead of us, uh, uh, or whatever. Uh, I've got a thread in the Breaking Good forum for every episode, and you can uh, slate all those in there. And I'm I'm uh, lassoing stuff from there as well. All right, cool. Well, I think that's going to do it for the uh, main section of this podcast. If you're into spoilers, stick around after the music, and we'll have some. If you're not, we'll see you next week with episode 304. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. And we're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? So we finally, I think for the first time, or maybe the second time and only time, we meet Lewis. 
Yeah, which yeah. is J- Junior's friend. Mm-hmm. And this single appearance, you say Junior's friend. That's so sad. I think he only has one friend. Well, that's you know his dad's a teacher who's unpopular, and he's got a physical disability. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming he's not the most popular kid in school, and that's you know. Well, we know part he's of not. Pathos. He gets picked on. Yeah, he's, while yeah, he's he got picked shopping, on by the other so. shitheads. Um, yeah, but you know what? Chin up, Junior. Uh, and it doesn't high help. That... Only lasts so long, and then you get in the real world, and yeah. people mostly aren't assholes for no reason. True, true. Uh, so uh, the thing is, is these scenes combined with Junior being angry at kind of his parents and us teenage angst. Launched a pervasive theory that something is up with Junior, that he is going to get mm. in a drunk driving accident, or he's going to be a, a person high on meth is going to head in his car, or or get into the family business. He's going to unwittingly <laughs> start dealing the blue stuff, and Walt's going to find out. Or yep. maybe Junior and Lewis are secretly gay, and that's going to be some issue for Hank or Walt or something. And nothing of the sort happened. No, nothing ever comes of Inyo's theories. Walt Jr. is pure as the driven snow. He is, as far as we know, as hetero as the day is long. Not that that matters a whit. There's <laughs> nothing that. out of the ordinary or different about this kid other than the fact that he has to use crutches. Yeah. Uh, is that somewhat surprising that they – do you think – It is. Do you think it – but do you think it was a good call on the Villigan stand to not bring – Walt's destruction to that totality or to make it that ironic. Yeah. I, I mean, by the end of the series, it kind of does just destroy the family anyway. Certainly. Um, but the one that I was really banking on was that he was going to go into the meth business. Like there were scenes where Hank had him at sure. Los Poyos and, and yeah. we thought he was going to hook up with the chicken man and start mm-hmm. working there and start dealing. And, even that would have been funny if he's just a fry cook and Los Polos Hermanos. And has no idea what's going on. Yeah, even that would have been a little some taste of what I was looking for. But I got to say, like, the way the scene, the, the way the series ended up working with Walt Jr. is completely repudiating everything about his old man. Yeah. Works so much better with him being on the straight and narrow the whole time and just being some kid mixed up with this stuff. I think you're right. Um, I, I don't have a problem, even though I was kind of rooting for that stuff. I don't have a problem with it. You, you sick bastard. I know. It's all about Walt Jr. being a drug addict and zombabies with you. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I thought it would just add another wrinkle to the whole situation, you yeah. know, especially with the relationship that Hank and Walt have with him. Yeah. It would have been kind of a devil and angel sort of situation sure. that I thought would have been really cool. Yeah. Uh, the other, I mean, I'm scraping the bottom of the body disposal barrel here. <laughs> Some 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 thin goop at the bottom. Uh, Gus is a surprisingly bad host. Like his... other than the one time he invites Walt over for dinner and he mm-hmm. cooks him a very nice meal, and you know they're very genteel uh, businessmen discussing the finer points of being drug dealers. Yep. He's his go to is shitty coffee, shitty vegetable trays, mm-hmm. and bullshit. You know, meeting in construction trailers, just low rent affairs, man. You think he'd have a better chance of swaying some of these guys? I mean, maybe, maybe Don Eladio is not that big of an asshole. He's just tired of the goddamn vegetable trays. Like, like yeah. rent the Ritz out, <laughs> get a banquet hall, sure. catering some shit. That's man. what they do in Mexico. You, they you are... run a tasty chicken joint. Get some of that shit in there. They're in Mexico. They're renting out palaces for these guys. I mean, fuck, they live in palaces, right? Yeah. Whereas Gus Fring's living in a suburb in a decent house, and when they come to America, they spec. A certain standard. No, oh, yeah. 
But when Gus doesn't show it, yeah, you can see why they'd be angry. I mean, if he, if he, if maybe if he gave, maybe least. if he gave Don, or if he just gave Don Eladio that uh, Anejo Frio or whatever the hell, the, 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 the crazy tequila. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zafiro Anejo. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if he you know, was a little bit more liberal with that, it would kept him out of hot yeah. water. Yeah. Instead of the coffee, just put some nice tequila on there. Yeah. Him and his brother should have showed up with the, the high end tequila instead of the threatening business model. And there wouldn't have been no brains in the pool and none of this would have ever happened. You're probably right. Common <sighs> courtesy, Gus. Common courtesy. Uh, finally, Walt's sink pissing. This is the most important <laughs> issue of the day. <laughs> You know, there was a lot of debate about whether Hank's temerity of using the master bathroom to take his heinous Hank shit. There sure was. Uh, you know, like, if, if that's something that you're entitled to as the brother-in-law. If there's only one bathroom in the house, then there's no entitlement to it. It's that or the pool. Case closed. Yeah. If, if well, Walt is reduced to piss... Sink. If Walt's reduced, well, no, you don't. I mean, you, number two in the sink. Well, no. maybe Walt doesn't have a garbage disposal. Like it's just common courtesy not to shit in the sink if you don't have. Can it you imagine walking in with Hank's bare ass in your sink? <laughs> just the smell. The... Uh, he wouldn't have found the poetry book. Not no, in the he, kitchen. He would not. But that makes it. I don't know. I mean, I feel like the sink pissing. That's that's a smoking gun, or the opposite of a smoking gun. I think you're right. It's the wet sink. I think there's only one bathroom in that house. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, it's kind of weird that it's off the master bath. You'd think that would just be kind of in a common area, but, mm-hmm. you know. You know what? I wonder if they converted some room, like, for the for the third bedroom or something. They, like, busted down a closet and a bathroom and, uh, like, made another bedroom for Holly, Holly or something. Maybe Holly needed a walk-in closet that used to be a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I don't know. Because you're right. Why put the only bathroom in a house off the master? Or maybe it's one of those weird, like, you know what? It could be. Maybe I think maybe we've seen evidence of that that you can get to that bathroom with two doors. It's one of those setups hmm. where it's right. You can lock the one door and it's right off your master, but it also opens up and can be used as a guest. And you can maybe you know it's like one of those. I don't. know, What do you call those? Dual occupancy. Walk through bathroom. Walk through bathrooms. Open air bathrooms. <laughs> Open air. Yeah, there's just a counter separating that's, you that's from like, the kitchen. That, that, that lets Hank do the the powered both door open move. <laughs> uh-huh. Not just one door open. You're taking shit. Both doors though. You got to get the airflow coming through. Sure. Share with the family. God. All right. Uh, again, I've scraped the bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. I'd uh, say so. I pissed in the the low, lowliest of sinks for this spoiler section, and we're done. All right. Cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Bye.